is here, and it's time to get going. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet, and we appreciate you being a part of the show and joining us here. And um, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays, and everything to you and yours. Uh, We're not going anywhere, by the way. We're going all the way through basketball season, all the way through spring ball, summer. We do not stop here on this show. So, don't think that you're going to um, leave us after football season. We've got you covered here. And by the way, on the basketball front, we'll be picking that up next week with our own uh, Matthew Postens. But before we get to bowl picks and bowl predictions, a reminder to please leave us, guys, that rating, review, subscribe. Uh, we'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. That's pretty good for the holidays, right? Um, free koozie. How do you get it? You send a screenshot of your rating and review to me. Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we will get the koozie in the mail for you guys. I want to start off with something on the TV side that got a little bit overlooked last week. No more SEC football on CBS. In case you missed it, CBS is walking away from negotiations with the SEC when the contract ends after the 2023 football season, and now it's going to ESPN and ABC. So that primetime 2.30 Saturday afternoon game that we've all grown accustomed to for over 20 years is not going to be there anymore. Um, What does this mean? Well, first off, it means that ESPN and ABC will own everything within the SEC. This was the only... Um, SEC property that was not on anything ESPN or ABC or Disney. So a big deal for ESPN getting the entire SEC under its umbrella. A big pay raise as well for the SEC. Currently, CBS is paying $55 million for that game, the best deal in sports. Well, that is going to go up to about $300 million per season. Now, if you're a Big 12 fan, this is not great because it takes out a primetime window. On I assume this game will end up on ABC. This SEC game in the week will end up in ABC. So that means that a Big 12 game can no longer be played at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central time on ABC. It's not going to be the case anymore because I assume ESPN is going to want to keep that window. That's become a great window for the SEC. There's no reason to screw with it. You know, ESPN can still put its primetime game of the week on, of course. But now you can put the SEC in that spot instead of the SEC having the first dibs at what game it wants in that 2.30 central time window. So this could have an adverse effect on the Big 12 because the Big 12 right now is at the mercy of ESPN and Fox, right? And the reason that OU ended up with so many 11 a.m. games this year was because the networks were like, you know, 11 a.m. slot's not great, but if we put a national brand like OU there, we can get a pretty good number in the 11 a.m. position. So it's like a... It's a weird spot for OU and its fan base to be in because obviously you want to do well. You want to be a national brand. You want to be wanted by the networks. But if you're playing second fiddle to the SEC and the Big Ten and they're like, hey, OU will draw a number, but we don't want them to go up against the SEC or the Big Ten. So let's put them in there at the 11 a.m. spot and try to get a decent number at 11 a.m. by putting the Sooners there. I mean, Good for you guys, but it doesn't really work out too well for the Big 12 or, in this instance, Oklahoma and its fan base, who's got to be drinking beer at 7 a.m. to, you know, have a few pops before going into the game at uh, 11 a.m. It's tough. So it's not great for the Big 12. On top of that, now the SEC championship game is under the ESPN umbrella. What does this mean? 
I assume what this means is that ESPN is going to have the SEC championship game played at night. I assume they're going to want that in prime time. Right now, you have the ACC championship game prime time on ABC, and you have the Big Ten championship game prime time on Fox. I assume, once again, they'll move the SEC to prime time, and then you would move the ACC back. What I think they should do is you keep the Pac-12 on Friday night because, (laughs) no offense, it's the Pac-12. No one cares. All right? Sorry, Pac-12 fans. But you're doing it to yourselves, partially. So you keep the Pac-12 on Friday night. You put the ACC championship game on at uh, noon Eastern, 11 Central on Saturday morning. Because the ACC, I mean, uh, that's an East Coast deal, right? That's an East Coast conference. They should be playing in that noon Eastern, 11 a.m. spot. They're all in the East Coast, or at least Eastern time zone. So uh, they should be playing that early game. Put the Big 12 in the middays. Put it at 2.30 East, or 2.30 Central. Or if you want to push it back to 3 o'clock so you have a half-hour window in between there, go ACC at 11 a.m. Central time. Go Big 12 at 3, and then go uh, SEC at 7 Central time. And then Fox wants to do the Big 10 at, like, 7.30. That way you stagger the end times in case they're both close games. So be it. That's the way you play it from here on out. Right, that's that's exactly what ESPN should do. If I'm running the network and if I'm trying to decide how do I stack these conferences, because right now Clemson is so dominant. By the way, in the uh, ACC, the ACC championship game is not interesting until somebody closes that gap on the other side of the conference with Clemson. It's not an interesting championship game. So put the Big Twelve in that spot, in that midday spot, with the SEC going to prime time. If ESPN does not do that, then if I'm the Big 12, I at least place a call to CBS and say, hey, can we have a conversation here? Is there is there a potential for a little simpatico um, in building something out for beyond 2025, which is when the Big 12 uh, deal comes to an end with ESPN and Fox? Now, I don't think the Big 12 is getting out of the game with ESPN and Fox. They've got the ESPN Plus platform now that obviously they're trying to build on. Digital uh, is the way of the future. I understand all that. But these broadcast companies see value in sports. Why? Because you can't DVR them, right? You can't DVR sports. No way, no how. You can't do it. That means that if you are CBS, ABC, Fox, NBC, you want to get live sports. You want to get as much of it as you can. Uh, and CBS is now out of the college football game outside of like, you know, the uh, group of five games they put on CBS Sports Network. So go to the uh, Big 12 and say, hey, guys, we can put you on a primetime game, 2.30 Central every Saturday. And if the Big 12 keeps getting this little brother treatment, why wouldn't it give it a shot, right? Why not at least have a conversation? I'm not saying you go away from ESPN or Fox or anything like that, but at least have the conversation. If there's a network out there that says, we'll put you on 2.30 Every Saturday, that's great. First off, 2.30 times are great for tailgating. You know, the primetime game, that's a lot of tailgating. The 11 a.m. game is not enough tailgating. You get that 2.30 sweet spot. Man, that's awesome. And CBS, to its credit, did an awesome job with the SEC. An awesome job. The jingle is outstanding. I mean, it's, it's an iconic jingle. I can't stand the SEC, but it's an iconic jingle with CBS. There's rumors that uh, ESPN might try to buy that jingle from CBS 
And there's also rumors that uh, they may try to move this deal expedited, where they would take the SEC off of CBS before the end of the 2023 season, which is right now when that deal expires. So they may try to buy CBS out of that contract. So that's interesting to see. So the Big 12 might have a couple of years here to see where they fit in ESPN's picture with the SEC completely under the ESPN umbrella. I'm just saying keep open ears, keep open eyes if you're the Big 12 and say, okay, let's at least explore what may be best for us. I think ESPN Plus is is fine. Um, I think it is the way of the future, even though it's had some obviously kinks to work out. But it's one of those things that you have to look at and say, okay, what's the best way now for us to try to further our conference and further our brand? And if ESPN is going to keep sticking us with a bunch of 11 a.m. kickoffs for our primetime teams, I, you know, that's something we got to consider, right? That's something we got to look at. Now, the Longhorn Network throws a wrench into this, too, because that deal goes for another, geez, another 10 years, right? I think it is. I mean, that's another all the way to 2030, I think it is. So that's a part of this equation that we haven't really explored or looked into in terms of what it means. But there's a lot of moving parts here on the television side. It's going to be very interesting to follow. And if you're a Big 12 fan, uh, you should follow this. And we'll keep you up to speed on it. But you should follow it because it's one of those things where you got to look at it and say to yourself, okay, how do I want my conference to be viewed? If ESPN, ABC, and Fox are always going to have a second fiddle, then we at least need to explore our options. That's that's all I'm saying. Explore the options. See if CBS has any interest even getting into the college football game again and take it from there. Heck, you know, that tag team, I know it's not Vern Lundquist, but Brad Nestler and Gary Danielson do a pretty good job. I'd love those guys on a premier Big 12 game hyping it up every week on CBS. That'd be a lot of fun. Be a heck of a lot of fun to follow. So let's just kind of keep tabs on it and um, see how this whole thing plays out the next couple of years. We won't have any answers for a while unless ESPN ABC does buy out CBS from the contract and they start playing those games on ESPN ABC in the 2020 season. But it'll probably take a couple of years to get the ball rolling and um, we'll see where it goes from there. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays to you this week. Uh, appreciate you joining us here on the show. We are going to start previewing all the bowl games of the Big 12. We'll get to it starting next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Hey guys, it's Pete Mundo and it's that time of year. Christmas and the holidays are here and our friends at MyBookie want to make your season special with 12 days of gifts. MyBookie's already one of the most trusted and reputable sports books in the industry. And this holiday season, they're getting into the spirit of giving with 12 straight days of giveaways. That's right, 12 days of gifts, a brand new gift every single day so you can take your game to the next level. They kicked off the promotion on the 14th with a free parlay for the UFC, and they'll keep up the giving through the 25th on Christmas Day. Free bets, free spins, futures, and more. So as the college bowl season and all those Big 12 bowl games get underway, you don't want to miss it with mybookie.ag. When you use that promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, they'll also give you a 50% sign-up bonus. That's half of the money that you deposit in your account free. You don't have to unlock it. It's just right there, and you can use it. So get in mybookie.ag. Save during the holidays, something we all want to be doing. Mybookie.ag, our promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, and start winning today. 
Well, let's dive into the Big 12 Bowl games this week on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo, and thanks so much for joining us and uh, being a part of the show. So, let's start off. We're going to go in order except for the college football playoff. We'll uh, shift that order around for OU-LSU. But let's start off with the first bowl game in the Big 12 this year, and it is Oklahoma State and Texas A&M in the Texas Bowl. Now, a couple of things with these bowl games you got to look at. You can't always just look at X's and O's, right? Motivation's a factor. Got to look at history. Some coaches are better in bowl games than others. Some coaches are better at motivating their guys for bowl games than others. And I think that's a factor here in this game between Oklahoma State and Texas A&M. First off, the Mike Gundy factor. Mike Gundy does very well uh, in bowl games. This team is looking for its third straight bowl win. And if you look back in the last couple of years, heck, last year, did anybody see that win coming over uh, Mizzou in the Liberty Bowl? I didn't. You know, a lot of people thought Mizzou was going to win that game. Mike Gundy got a win. Two years ago, Camping World Bowl beat Virginia Tech in that game. And then the Alamo Bowl in uh, 2016, they rolled a good Colorado team, 38-8. to So Mike Gundy's got himself on a nice uh, run here in these bowl games as of late, looking to make it four in a row. Also, the A&M factor. Like, Texas A&M thinks of itself as a top-10 program. It's obviously not uh, historically, but it thinks of itself as such. Are they motivated for the Texas Bowl when they played games this year against, you know, LSU, Georgia, uh, Alabama, Auburn, like, are they juiced up for this game? That remains to be seen. And speaking of that, a lot of Texas kids on the Oklahoma State roster, as always, they get juiced up for Texas or Texas a and because they are, of course, the Blue Bloods in those uh, in that state. And, you know, you get a three-star kid that goes to Oklahoma State, build himself up to a four- or five-star player, he gets to go play A&M. He's going to be jacked up for that game. And that's part of how you have to look at this matchup and this game. So right there, the edge goes to Oklahoma State. All right? That's, that's part of the deal. It goes to Oklahoma State when you talk about those uh, intangible factors. As for the X's and O's of this game, you know, where Oklahoma State has been vulnerable at times is uh, the passing attack. They're middle of the pack, bottom half of the Big 12 in pass defense uh, and pass defense efficiency, giving up 267 passing yards per game and you know ranking sixth in pass defense efficiency in the Big 12. This uh, A&M team has done a pretty good job putting points up on the board. You, you can't take that away from them. You just you can't do it. And when you look at what they've got there between Kellen Mond at quarterback, a solid wide receiver corpse led by uh, Courtney Davis and then a, a, a really good running back, Isaiah Spiller, SEC all-freshman guy uh, in that backfield to kind of balance things out. That's something you got to look at and say to yourself, that's concerning if you're an Oklahoma State fan. I know the defense has gotten better, and the rushing defense is also middle of the pack in the Big 12, but as good as this defense has been, this offense has some explosive pieces to it that um, should seriously concern Cowboys fans as they look at this game. Now, for AM, you know, they don't have many great wins. For AM, what they can hang their hat on is that they have lost to good teams. But, like, what is that worth, you know? All right, great. You lost to LSU. You lost to Georgia. You lost to Alabama and you lost to Auburn. Congratulations. You lost. Your best win is what, Mississippi State or maybe South Carolina? Like, are we supposed to crow about that and say, uh, go AM? 
it's a tough sell. When your best games are losses, you don't typically impress me because it means you didn't win any of them, any of them. And that's where AM is right now. Uh, and, and that's how you have to, to be fair to analyze this team. That's where you have to look at it. Now, they do have, if you're Oklahoma State, you've got Chuba Hubbard playing in this game. You have no Spencer Sanders at quarterback and no Tylen Wallace. Here's where I'm going on this one. I think A&M wins outright, and it pains me like heck to say it. But I think A&M wins outright, but Oklahoma State covers. The Cowboys have been a covering machine this year at 9-3 and three against the spread. Uh, A&M is 7-5 and five against the spread. I think this game ends up like something along the lines of uh, 31-27 to 27 in favor of the Aggies with Oklahoma State getting the cover. I just think the loss of Sanders and Wallace, where you're going to want to spread the field against A&M, is going to be... Uh, going to be tough to overcome on top of that A&M's got a a solid secondary and it's uh led by a guy who's you know really really good and that's Charles Oliver he only needs four pass breakups to hold the all-time record at A&M he's currently tied for third with 33 in his career so he's been around the block senior guy uh going to be motivated in his final game before the next level so give me the Aggies with an outright win it pains me I hate that I'm saying it but I'm trying to be fair here and analyze these games and Oklahoma State to cover a seven-point spread. It's pretty big. Let's move on to the Camping World Bowl, Notre Dame and Iowa State. Now, when you talk about the factors that I've uh, noted earlier in the show, what are the like intrinsic factors here that have to be paid attention to? Well, how about this? Uh, how about the fact that if you're Notre Dame and you go 10-2 and two and you're not in a New York Six Bowl, you're in the Camping World Bowl, how do you feel about yourself when you played in the college football playoff recently? Not too good. All the juices with Iowa State here. You get a national brand. They've sold out all their packages to Orlando, Disney World. Iowa State fans travel well. I mean, that is just advantage Iowa State in a big way. You get to take down the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Matt Campbell's going to have his guys juiced for this game. Absolutely juiced for this game. And um, they've lost a lot of close games. We've talked about it a lot. If you're a Big 12 fan, you know all these close losses for uh, for. Iowa State this year. So advantage Iowa State on that front. Now, the Notre Dame offense has been very good. The Irish have put up 37 points per game this fall. And uh, since the Michigan game, Ian Book and the Irish offense have been really dominating opponents. They got crushed by Michigan, but since then, beating Virginia Tech, Duke, Navy by 32, Boston College by 33, Stanford by 21. So they've had certainly a, a very good run here as of late. But the Iowa State defense, it's not last year's defense. We know that, right? It's a little more vulnerable against the pass than it usually has been. But it's still a very underrated defense, and it does a great job, of course, stopping the run. Does a great job stopping the run. So Iowa State's going to be able to hang in there on that side of the ball. And its own offense, you know, Matt Campbell averaging 34 points per game this year. And while the Notre Dame defense has been very good, allowing under 20 per contest, I think that Iowa State can put up points on this team. Notre Dame, by the way, is going to be missing some uh, some key players in this game. So that's something to factor in as well on that side of the ball. Sean Crawford, cornerback, he's going to be out. Um, also out, Julian Aquara. He's put up some uh, decent stats this season for this team. Dalen Hayes on the defensive line. So they have a lot of guys on that side of the ball that are going to be missing. Jack Lamb as well is questionable. So I think Iowa State can put up points. Give me the over 54 and a half. Give me the Cyclones plus three and a half. 
plus three and a half, and an outright win in this game for the Iowa State Cyclones over the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who I don't think are going to want to have any interest in being there. That's just me. All right, let's move on then. Now let's look at Navy and uh, Kansas State in the Liberty Bowl. Now you look at some of the off-field deal. That favors Navy. Kansas State and its fan base is disappointed. It's going to the Liberty Bowl. It's disappointed that uh, you know Iowa State got the Camping World Bowl, even though K-State beat Iowa State. I get all that. But as we talk about those types of issues, I think that the motivation factor benefits Navy in this game. Navy went from 3-10 and last season to 10-2 this year. They're in the top 25. And it's been all on the ground. They lead the nation with 4,300 rushing yards. Meantime, the K-State rush defense, seventh in the Big 12. They gave up almost five yards per carry, by the way, which is tied for the worst in the conference. So that's an advantage to Navy in this game. Now, K-State has had a heck of a year. No one can take anything away from Chris Kleiman and what this program has done averaging 30 points per game despite being dead last in the conference and passing. Both these teams want to run the ball. And while K-State finished up the season 6-1 and one against the spread, the Wildcats also have the knowledge that when they play their best, they can beat anybody in the country, including Oklahoma. But when you look at this game, when you're Kansas State and you have not seen this triple option in person before – It's very difficult. You know, it's not like there's a team in the Big 12 that emulates what Navy does. That team does not exist. So I just think the uniqueness of what Navy brings to the table and the fact that I don't know, not that K-State's not going to be motivated, right? I think the players will be. But, you know, you want to play that SEC Power 5 opponent, whatever it might be. That's who you want to play. And K-State doesn't have that opponent. They had a great year. But you factor all this together And I think that Navy will win this game and will cover it in a close one by a field goal, but the spread's only two and a half, so give me Navy in this game. It's going to be tough, and I hate to make that pick, but once again, trying to stay unbiased here, just like with the Oklahoma State game, I think Navy by a field goal. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Coming up, we continue with our final three Big 12 Bowl picks next on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, this is it, the final few minutes of the show, and guess what? Our final few college football Big 12 predictions for the 2019-2020 season. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you joining us and uh, being a part of the show. Well, let's go to the Alamo Bowl, the Texas Longhorns against the Utah Utes. Of course, Utah was on the verge of making the college football playoff. Could not get it done after uh, losing Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. Not sure they would have made it anyway over uh, the Oklahoma Sooners, who are, of course, a one-loss Big 12 champ. But either way, Utah is now uh, going to the Alamo Bowl, taking on the Texas Longhorns. All right, so let's talk about this game here. When you talk about motivation, you can make an argument on either side of this. But I believe Utah is going to be far more motivated than Texas. Now, if you think about, you know, where Utah was in 2018 and what this team did last year, this is not a program that's, you know, sitting there and typically used to playing in college football playoff uh, games. They've never done it before. We know that, right? Last year, they ended up um, in the Holiday Bowl. So this is the biggest bowl game they played in for a lot of these guys. And on top of that, You know, they get to take on Texas. That's a national brand, right? They're going to be fired up for that. Even though they almost got to the college football playoff, I think they're going to be fired up for that and for this game. 
for Texas, it's been a letdown of a season. There's no other way to put it. It's been a huge letdown of a season for the Texas Longhorns. And it's a team that thought it would be playing for a Big 12 title. Instead, it is playing in an Alamo Bowl that probably um, it should not be playing in. But the Alamo Bowl is a business, and they think that Texas fans will travel down to watch this game. So that's their prerogative. But Texas is down two coordinators. It's kind of resetting the program. I don't know how much Tom Herman is into, you know, this game. Last year, Sugar Bowl, Big 12 title appearance, beating Georgia. They were jacked up for that. Are they that jacked up to play Utah in the Alamo Bowl? I have a hard time believing it. And then when you look at just the injuries for this game, who's playing, who's not? Let's talk about Texas, all right? Devin DuVernay, wide receiver, questionable. Colin Johnson, probable at wide receiver. Jeffrey McCullough, questionable. Kate Brewer, questionable. Uh, Samuel Cosme, questionable. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. Anthony Cook, Brennan Eagles, B.J. Foster, all questionable. Caden Stearns, questionable. Jalen Green, questionable. Keontae Ingram, you get the point. Uh, I mean, it's like the whole roster <laughs> is, is questionable for Texas. I just don't know how much stock Tom Herman's putting into this game. Now, it'd be great to go into the offseason with a, you know, solid win, and Tom Herman could use that. But when you look at how many guys may not play in this game, it's tough to uh, it's tough to fathom how they're going to possibly pull off a win. And when you look at this Utah team, you know I know the Pac-12 is uh, not the greatest conference of the Power Five, but efficiency on both sides of the ball has been very very good uh, for this team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Texas has given up the second most sacks in the Big 12 this year. It's not been good. Now, Herb Hand's group has to deal with two more all-conference players in the front line in Brandley, Anae, and um, Lakifo, too. I apologize if I missed those pronunciations for the Utah players. But they've got a solid team. I mean, a very solid. And that defense has players at every single level. Five players earning first-team all-conference on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, it's, it's been that good. And offensively, this team's just been solidly efficient. Zach Moss at um, at running back, and then you got Huntley at uh, quarterback. So they've gotten the job done. And, uh, you know, Texas on the defensive side has not been good this year. We know that. And we don't know if half these guys on defense are playing. So I think Utah wins this game and covers the seven-point spread. Uh, something like a 35-24 win for the Utah Utes over the Texas Longhorns in the Alamo Bowl. Now, let's go to the Sugar Bowl between Georgia and Baylor. Who's motivated? Baylor, no doubt about it, is motivated. Georgia missing a college football playoff again uh, by a thin margin for a second straight year. We saw how that played out last year against the Texas Longhorns. Texas steamrolled them. Georgia was not all that motivated it looked like to be there. Kind of a similar deal this year, right? Baylor's on the rise. Gets to a Big 12 championship game. Loses a close game to OU. These guys have never been in a game of this magnitude or a bowl game of this magnitude, and they're fired up to take on an SEC opponent. And I don't believe that Georgia's going to have the respect that it should for the Baylor Bears in this game. Baylor's a damn good team, a damn good defense as well. We know that. And they've been great at covering the spread this year at 9-4 and four compared to 7-6 and six, uh, for Georgia. So this game, by the way, is going to be heavy on the defensive side of the ball. We know that. And when I look at this Georgia offense, I mean, it's all about the running game led by DeAndre Swift, right? I mean, he, he's what uh, propels that offense for Georgia. 
Jake Fromm, the quarterback for the Bulldogs, I believe is the most overrated quarterback in the country. I, he doesn't play well in some of their biggest games. In their two losses uh, this year for Georgia, he's completed 52% of his passes. That's against LSU and South Carolina. And uh, 520 yards, two touchdowns, five picks. He has struggled all year long. This Baylor pass defense is the most efficient pass defense in the Big 12. If they force him into a couple of turnovers, get him shaky early on, then Baylor can load up the box, focus on the run game, and uh, really have a solid chance in this game against the Georgia Bulldogs. And that's what I think is going to happen here. I know Charlie Brewer's up in the air right now, and we don't know whether or not he's ultimately going to play. But after seeing what Jacob Zeno can do in that Big 12 championship game, um, you know, I'm not going to say I'm super confident in the young guy, but I think he can do enough. I, I believe that. I, I was really impressed stepping into that kind of a spot, that he can do enough because this Baylor defense has been that good. And they've won nine one-possession games this year, and I think Baylor's going to make it ten. Look at the injuries as well. A lot of guys far more likely to not play for the uh, Georgia Bulldogs than for the Baylor Bears in this game next week. Baylor is going to be super motivated, far more than Georgia. They've got enough on both sides of the ball to hang with the Bulldogs, and I think Baylor gets an outright win in this game, beating Georgia 24-21 to in the Sugar Bowl next week. Now let's get to the college football playoff. Oklahoma taking on the LSU Tigers. This matchup pits the number one and number two offenses in the nation against each other. It is going to be fun to watch. Over under total points is 75 and a half. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but when you look at this game and you look at what OU's chances are, now I'm sitting here and I'm saying to myself, geez, I, I want OU for not just the program but for the entire Big 12 to get over that hump. Boy, do I want to see OU get over that hump for not just the uh, the program, but for the Big 12. The Big 12 is uh, the one conference, Power 5 conference, that has yet to be in a uh, national championship since the college football playoff started. But this game is going to be tough. It's going to be very tough against Joe Burrow, this offense that Joe Brady has constructed, and these wide receivers. Now, here's the good news for OU. The defense is playing much better, right? And we know that, and that's a very big deal. It's a huge, huge deal for this team. But with that being said, there are some key pieces missing. Ronnie Perkins is a huge, huge loss for the Sooners. Delarian Turner Yell missing the uh, missing the game with a broken collarbone. A guy who started all 13 games as strong safety, 75 total tackles, five and a half tackles for loss. A massive loss for this team this year um, with how good he has played. So there are some big pieces missing. Ramondre Stevenson at running back um, is another loss, although it should be okay at that position in the backfield. But the suspensions and then the injury to Turner Yell are, are going to affect this team. And that's concerning to me going into a game against an offense like LSU's. With that being said, the spread is enormous. The spread in this game is 13 and a half points. Way, way too many points against an LSU team that, you know, has been has been really good this year. There's no doubt about it. Undefeated, number one team in the country. I get all that. But here's a little tidbit for you. Here are the defensive averages for LSU against uh, top 50 offenses. Three games, 39 points allowed per game, 
576 yards allowed per game. OU's defense against top 50 offenses. Six games played, 26 points allowed per game, 335 yards allowed per game. Uh, That is a very good sign if you're an OU fan going into this one. But I do believe that the suspensions are going to be too much to overcome. It pains me to say it. I just think that LSU is going to do enough on the offensive side of the ball to win a shootout. Something along the lines of 38-31 to 31 in favor of LSU. I think that uh, Jalen Hurts' inability to uh, be accurate on deep passes will ultimately affect this, uh, this OU offense in this game. And the LSU defense, I know it's not as good as the offense, but they still have a ton of talent, especially in that secondary uh, Grant Delpit won the Thorpe Award, nation's top D-back. Freshman cornerback Derek Stingley is even better. It's an NFL group of D-backs. It's going to be tough for OU, but I think they cover, except they ultimately will lose the game. It pains me to say it, but that's where I see this game trending right now. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave that rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and we'll send you a free koozie. Send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Love you guys. Enjoy the bowl games and have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. And don't forget our friends at mybookie.ag, promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, for a 50% sign-up bonus. Free money, it goes right in. Now's the time to do it with bowl games here. I'm Pete Mundo, we're Heartland College Sports Weekly.